You're listening to Tamar Yona, and we are here today with Matt Zucker, who is going to be co-hosting the show as we do some more war coverage of what's happening today on Thursday, the 12th of October. I want to put a uh, something out here saying that tomorrow on Friday, it is going to be the day right before the Sabbath. We will not be doing any live broadcasts, and I will not be back in the microphone until Sunday morning, U.S. Eastern Time at 9 a.m., or uh, if it is 4 p.m. Israel time. Matt Zucker, hello. Hey, Tamar, how are you today? Are you uh, holding up all right? Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing well. Baruch Hashem. As can be expected. So <laughs> fortunately, I had such a busy day, I have no idea what's going on in the world. <laughs> yeah, I want you to tell everybody. Uh, first, I, before you do, though, I want uh, you to... I want to be able to just give out some of the latest statistics uh, since we last did a show. Uh, it's up to 13, at least 1,300 killed. And the Hamas are claiming over 100 civilians and soldiers in captivity who have been kidnapped and are, they are being held there. Or, I mean, we don't know their fate. So at least 1,300 killed here in Israel. The death, death toll keeps climbing and this is uh, a report that I'm reading from Arut Sheva, IsraelNationalNews.com. So we are praying for the safety of uh, the kidnapped, those who were kidnapped, and our hearts go out to all the families who lost someone or whose uh, family members are in the hospital now injured. I think that there's over 3,000 people injured as well. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. Is that the let um, that's heard? that's what I hear. That's yeah. the numbers I get. Okay. All right. So that's what's happening here in Israel. A lot has been unfolding. Not uh, well. In, it has been unfolding in the government because we've made a unity government. Now we'll explain that what what that is in a moment. But the people of Israel are now not just sitting in shock and running to shelters if you're in the areas that's under attack. But the people of Israel have come together, whether you're religious or secular, whether you're right or more leaning to the uh, opposition side, you will see a unity amongst the people in Israel like you've never seen before. And with all the pressure, with all the stress, with all the inability of the government to do the services that it's supposed to be doing and the people are not only picking up the slack, but probably doing a better job than the government would. Everybody's still nice to each other. Everybody is so nice. Everybody is pitching in. Women are baking cakes. Children are writing letters to the soldiers and giving up any candy that they had, you know, saved up in their room. <laughs> Everybody is doing something. Everybody. It's That's amazing. Right. It is so amazing to be here yeah. and experience this. Including, by the way, Matt Zucker, you have been out all day running around. Why don't you tell us about what you've been doing today? Well, um, uh, friends of the of my family who live here uh both of their kids are idf vets and you know um 
when you mobilize 350,000 reserve units, you you they just there's just not gear for everybody. So there are you know a lot of the lot of the the local residents spoil the soldiers with food and candy and stuff like that. But there's really a greater need than than the food. Um, soldiers are stuck without uh, without Leatherman tools, without lights, without knee pads, without without combat vests or without the ceramic plates for their vests, without helmets, first aid kits. Um, uh, I know that some of the uh, mechanized divisions need <laughs> P-cord and like black duct tape. It's There are so many different needs. Again, many of the soldiers need winter gear. I was taking warm clothing up to soldiers in the Golan today. Um, you know, and it's... Uh, there's a lot, a lot of needs, and there's everybody. I have to tell you, I live in, in Partizana. I can't tell you how many donation locations there are just in this town. And then there's Zichon, and then there's Urakiva. I went to Renana for the pickup today. You should have seen the line of cars ready to load gear. It was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, and uh, just for those who are uh, just listening in, we are going to be having on a few people today to talk about the unity government, if we can. Also, we're going to be having uh, someone on to talk about the... Um Secret the U.S. Secretary of State Blinken, who is with Netanyahu, talking with him, and what the U.S. government, uh, their involvement, and we'll also be giving some stories about what has happened, that some of the atrocities that have happened here in Israel, and also some of the um, the hanchayot. How do you say that? Uh, the directives or guidelines that the Home Front Command is giving to the citizens of Israel, we are going to be possibly, those of us who are religious, breaking the Sabbath this Shabbat. We are uh, told to leave our televisions on during Shabbat and put it on channel 14. Now, even if you don't get TV or cable, if you have one of these like my sticks or even your computer, you should be able to have it on. And channel 14 will remain a silent channel during the Sabbath. And it will only uh, go on if there is an emergency or any emergency directives. Also, you are to leave your phones on during the Sabbath as well in case the emergency teams in your community need to call you for Anything that you need to know if, you're, if your community has been infiltrated by terrorists, if there's anything that they need you to do or anything that you need to do, for whatever reason, you need to be available. And this is something that is chaser takdim. It's something that it, we've really never done. Never before, done. So never done. Right. Right. So this really is a, um, historic times. What can I say? Well, you know, I mean, when you... You know, the fact of the matter is the conflict that we're in right now is truly an existential threat, you know, and, uh, you know, the the typical engagements from Gaza get poo-pooed by so many people as, you know, it's rockets, blah, 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 and they don't and they don't really think about, you know, the, the damage that 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 causes. But this is a whole different story. And uh, especially with all the activity up on the northern border and and the uprisings in the Shomron area, it's it's a different story. So, right. So you keep. I'm. I'm going to be getting our first guest on. So you. You just keep talking to our listeners as I get them on. All right. I just like to describe basically what I saw today, and it was really amazing. First of all, it was a good day because I didn't catch a stitch of news. So that always um, helps out. So uh, 
friend of the family's is involved with this charity. Uh, he was a former Nahal infantry soldier, and that's just one of the one of the main infantry brigades here in Israel. And so when I, I went down there to pick this up, and first of all, it's it, it's it's really kind of creepy. You drive down towards Tel Aviv, which is usually bumper to bumper traffic, any time of day, and smooth sailing. You just fly. Um, but the beautiful thing is they're putting Israeli flags on the, all the highways. Um, it just like, kind of like fills you, uh, with pride and they were doing that up North as well. And then I picked up all of this winter gear to take it up to the soldiers up in the North. Cause it's getting kind of cold up there. And I know for a fact that, uh, I know my son is sleeping in the rain. So uh, they need the gear. They just are, are not prepared. And then on my trip up to the Golan, it was surreal. There was just no mistaking you were in a country at war to go on a highway and see convoys of armored personnel carriers. The, the flatbed, the empty flatbed uh, trailers headed south that just dropped a bunch of tanks off up north. Um, uh, it was really something else. And then you get up to the junction where roadblocks everywhere. And uh, you get there to drop off the gear and these soldiers treat you like you're a hero, like you're doing the most unbelievable thing. And these guys are up in harm's way, sleeping under the stars, up on the border. God knows what's going to happen. And the appreciation they show um, – was really humbling. Oh, and then when you go to the store and get them a case of ice cold water, wow, wow. It was just, uh, it was unbelievable. And you saw people delivering stuff at all the bases. Yeah, it's we just have wonderful. to mention a lot of these soldiers, they're left out in the elements. They don't have any cover whatsoever. So it's cold at night. It's uh, totally open and hot during the day. And if they're in the zone where the Hamas is shooting rockets at them, uh, they have nothing to protect them. It's uh it's they're they're really heroes. All right, we're going to go to our first guest. We have joining us Barry Shaw. Barry, why don't you introduce yourself to our guest? And you're going to be talking to us about uh, U.S. Secretary of uh, State uh, Anthony Blinken. Go ahead, Barry. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? And go. Okay, ahead. I'm the uh, international public diplomacy. Uh, Director of the Israel Institute of Strategic Studies. I also have a uh, Telegram uh, app called The View from Israel, and you get me online as well. <clears throat> and I've been uh, hyperactive, I guess, like Tamar and the rest, of, of really sending out accurate, true, awful information uh, for you people out there to take up the case for Israel against a what will be a biased press and even possibly even a biased government wherever you are. You need to be on with facts and truth. Right. And I want to say that a lot of people are very heartened by the support that we're seeing. Uh, different countries are lighting up their buildings in blue and white, and they're saying they're with Israel. However, I want you to know that as soon as Israel has to, not because we want to, but as soon as Israel has to uh, eliminate this threat, and there's going to be a lot of photographs and uh, of uh, maybe, you know, uh, devastation, etc., a lot of the support that we're seeing could flip 
very easily. So don't depend on, oh, look at, look what France did or look what the people are with us because public opinion can change at the drop of a hat. Go ahead, Barry. I'm putting out a lot of material on that, but let me just go through a few points. Really up to date, I, I suppose, uh, stuff that you, you, your people haven't heard about. Anthony Blinken landed in Israel today, and um, he made a, had a press conference, and he spoke very emotionally as a Jew, and then he lied. He said, and I quote, We know Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. Wrong. This was not a slip of the tongue. This is the sort of policies they've been carrying out and imposing on Israel for quite some time. In fact, Hamas does represent the Palestinian uh, people because, as I posted in the recent past on my uh, Facebook page and others, according to a Palestinian public research NGO, that's a Palestinian one, not an Israeli one, 56% of the Palestinian public would vote for Hamas today. That's not just in Gaza. This is the area under Palestinian Authority control. That, Mr. Blinken, is a majority. And quite frankly, this is the latest example of the myopic vision policymakers like Blinken have had on the Middle East, Israel and the Palestinians. Um, and, and we have been hangered by this. We have had to make concessions because of this. We totally withdrew from Gaza because of it, right? And then we still hear that, you know, we're still occupying Palestinian land. And therefore, as, as the uh, Palestinian apologists would say, because we're illegally occupying Palestinian land, they have the right to come out and kill us. Now, I also, I also want to, uh, with your permission, uh, take up something that Biden and the uh, uh, Blinken uh, State Department have been silent. Yesterday, we also heard from the President of the United States. It was very warm and everybody's been very fuzzy and said they've never heard a United States President be quite so adamantly affirmative for Israel. But in his speech, you know, because I'm involved in strategic affairs, I suppose I noticed these things. He never even mentioned Iran once. Never mentioned Iran once. Iran, of course, is not only the ones that are funding Hezbollah and funding Hamas, but they're also giving them the instructions. Um, people don't know that I think that this silent omission of Iran involvement was deliberate because, quite frankly, the Biden administration still has to release quietly $6 billion to the Islamic regime in Tehran out of a, I believe it, wait, hold your breath, for a hostage deal that was carried out very quickly, fairly quietly, to release five Americans from Iranians' jail. And the, the Biden paid $6 billion to Iran in order to effect their release. Also, there was another $10 million, billion, which all, that came from Iraq to Iran. So basically, Iran was, is right now about to profit by $16 billion from the United States uh, administration. These are not pointed out to Israel, but quite frankly, I'm here to tell you what's missing from some of the conversations. Now, uh, Anthony Blinken is going from here to Ramallah to meet Mahmoud Abbas. Mahmoud Abbas, who instigates the hatred of Jews and rewards Palestinian murderers of Jews. And I want to add something here that, again, you and probably your listeners don't know. 
But actually, Mahmoud Abbas, the Palestinian Authority, funds, rewards, even the Hamas butchers, because they are Palestinians as well. So you can imagine any of the Hamas butchers that have killed, how many are we up to? 1,200, 1,300 Jews? Can you imagine that how much Mahmoud Abbas has got to pay them now? And where does this money come from? It comes from all sorts of the international communities, the United Nations, and yes, even the United States, who funds the UNESCO and uh, UNIFIL camps and the UNESCO education system in the Palestinian Authority, which if anybody's looked at the school books, incites against Jews, incites for a world without Israel. So quietly, although the two are enemies of each other, the Palestinian Authority are funding Hamas murderers. Matt, you want to comment? You know, as an American expat, it's painful, but it's true. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know what to say. You know, you know, you know how they say, uh, you know, the Palestinian Authority are the terrorists in suits. And to be honest with you, I don't know why anybody even talks to them. It's uh, particularly the Israelis. And uh, as far as as far as look, as far as President Biden's words, uh, you know, I mean, they were great words, but I, I'm a cynic. He's a politician. You know, all my Israeli friends. Oh, did you hear it? I've never heard such a great speech from a politician. I said, well, they're just words said, uh, let's wait and see. And I know that there's an American carrier uh, group off of Cyprus right now and talk of a, possibly a second one. And, um, and I'm, Barry, I'd like your opinion on this, because to be honest with you, that makes me a little bit nervous of Israel being stuck in the middle of a proxy war with Putin and the U.S. And, and um, I don't know. I'm, I'm pointing out. I'm pointing out not only things that he said, but things that he didn't say, and the reasons for not saying them. And America has a real problem right now because there's only also another 20 Americans in hostage in uh, American nationals in in hostage, as well as of course the uh, those that have already been killed. Um, so America should be behind whatever we need to do in Gaza. I want to tell you one thing about this, so the Gaza war that's about to happen. The one thing that Hamas has to do to, to win the war is to survive. That's all. There's no draw in this game. If Hamas somehow survives, if Hamas somehow survives, they've won the war and we've lost. I want to tell you something else as well. Days and weeks ahead of the uh, of Shabbat, when they knew what they were going to do, the families of the Hamas leaders and major operators left the Gaza Strip. They're probably in Doha with Khaled Mashal right now. I'm insisting on air, and I've tried to speak with some people, but I think what Israel needs to do, must do, is request, if not demand, that Egypt detain any Hamas members coming out of the Gaza Strip by the Rafah crossing with Egypt and hold them until there's an international war crime investigation because all of Hamas, from the gruesome murderers that uh, came into Israel and committed that pogrom, 
to the highest leader, they are all guilty of war crimes and human rights crimes. And quite frankly, Egypt should have an obligation not to let them slew, slip through the border at Rafah and catch planes out of Cairo airport to live in luxury like Khaled Marshall and others in places like Doha. Okay, I'm just going to interrupt you for a moment, Barry. We're having a red alert siren going off in over the city of Ashdod. Ashdod uh-huh. is a large, it's one, it's one of the, I think, the four largest cities in Israel. It's got a major port, seaport there, and it's just below Tel Aviv, uh, uh, maybe like about a half an hour drive south of Tel Aviv. We're uh, wishing all, safety for all of the people there who are now running for cover and uh, trying to dodge this uh, missile that went there. Go ahead, Barry. Stay safe. Yeah, I mean. All right, Barry, so uh, I want to ask you something, because whenever Israel is caught in another attack by uh, the terrorists in Gaza, every time we start to pound them hard, all of a sudden... A, uh, the Secretary of State comes running to the region to try to hammer out a, a ceasefire in the name of saving lives and, and uh, you know, we wash, rinse, repeat. We've been there before. We see it doesn't save lives. It only keeps Hamas alive and it kicks the can down the road. And our government, which is very weak, um, agrees to the ceasefire because they also want to be able to stop get, having more casualties going up and they want to get down to business as usual, even though it's to the detriment of the people because we're not solving the problem. So what do you have to say about America's involvement in this whole war and, and on? Look, I, I'm also on this as well. I've also, even for a few days, in anticipation of what's going to happen, been putting out a lot of material, which I hope our followers will take up and represent us against their media and their political uh, rulers, wherever they are, because I know what's going to happen. Uh, people, are, be, uh, quite frankly, what I, I say, I'm sorry to be cynical about this, Tamar, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't really like the way that people cry sort of, like, can I call it crocodile tears over dead Jews, but it's really the live ones they really don't like. And what happens right now is we're all starting to see already foreign correspondents in Gaza getting false information from the Hamas information or propaganda ministry that is dressed up, dressed up as the health ministry, inflating figures, etc., etc. Um, and, and what I don't want is for the media to be our referee. And I certainly don't want to hear from the pompous Europeans who have never stopped decisively with Israel but want to lecture us about how to conduct warfare. And they'll drag us to the International Criminal Court if we don't follow their rules. And I'm, I'm putting out and insisting here that these Europeans, and it also applies to the American media and some of the American uh, politicians as well. I don't want them to be our referee. What we've suffered here is, is something that's earth-shattering, is that we've, been, we've had a history of pogroms in Europe and from Arab and Muslim countries, but we have, what we suffered from Shabbat is a massive pogrom with it on our own ter- territorial uh, land. And this is the biggest shock of all. We have terrorists not behaving like normal terrorists. Normal terrorists, you come to shoot us and blow us up. But these people are behaving like ISIS. We have a war starting up, which in my opinion is between against God, against evil. And those people who are trying to put out that we're evil and the other side are good because they're weak and uh, defenseless, I'm sorry, I'm not buying that game. 
And I also, by the way, we're supposed to be on our way to make another uh, normalization with Saudi Arabia. I want to tell everybody from your program, Natamah, that I don't want to hear from the Arab and Muslim world except to hear them condemn Palestinian anti-Semitism leads to the slaughter of Jews. That's really not just talk about Hamas, but it's talk about Mahmoud Abbas and the Palestinian authorities as well. And did, really, did, not, did not Riyadh back Hamas in this conflict? Uh, yeah, I think they said that both sides have to act with strengths or something nonsense like that. Moral equivalence. Yeah, like you know, like and the, it, and the, the, message, the message in Israel has to be clear. We are ready to fight and die to eradicate the evil curse that is Hamas. And you're either with us or you're against us. There's no middle of the road here. Right. There are no fence sitters. If, if, you, if you are not taking a side, you've chosen the wrong side. Yes, exactly. Uh, and we, we stand at also a very difficult time. It may be for, for another program, but something that I discuss with the people who do strategic affairs. Uh, I want the world to know that this is more serious for Israel than you imagine, because we, in my opinion, are representing the Western world against Israel in a, in a clash of civilizations here. And we stand a massive risk because we're out front on our own fighting against an evil which proves themselves to be evil, a Palestinian evil. But we could be faced at the same time by a Hezbollah evil, which is even more powerful than Hamas in Gaza. And by the way, that threat from Hezbollah, people are talking about over the border of Lebanon. But Israel has to watch out and is watching out for our eastern border. Because quite frankly, the fighters of Hezbollah in Syria are more battle trained, more better armed than the Hezbollah in Lebanon. So I'm telling you that we could be facing here as we're representing the free world in a battle of between good and evil. I'm talking about Hamas, I'm talking about Hezbollah, I'm talking about Iran. And if anybody out there thinks that these three individually and collectively are not evil, wake up and smell the coffee. And we stand a chance of tiny Israel of either winning or losing as I said before, all Hamas has to do to win is to, is to survive. All Israel has to do to lose is to lose. And that is we are losing. We will lose our country. It could be as serious as that. So I want people to wake up and find out this isn't just a little local battle between us over here and the people over the other side of the Gaza border. You know, we've learned the lessons of Europe and Arab Muslim Jew hating. I mentioned about the, the, the pogroms. We are the next generation of the Holocaust, and we pledged at Auschwitz never again. That never again began, happened the week after Yom Kippur in what they did to us on our land. This is an unforgivable sin which must be avenged. This is going to be, as I said before, a battle between good and evil. This time, the Jew doesn't have quivering knees. We don't go easily for our slaughter. In fact, we hit back. The hit back for perhaps the first time in 3,000 years of Jewish history. We either have to win or we lose. Yeah. Okay. All right. Barry, uh, uh, Matt's going to make an announcement. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Barry Shaw. I, uh, I thank safe. you. And please stay safe. Yeah. And please, Barry, any of your you. listeners out there, 
Go to my Facebook page. Go to the View from Israel on Telegram. Please, please, please share the material. It may be horrific, but it will be factual. It will be true. You people, you listeners out there, have to be our our, uh, uh, PR soldiers out there to help us fight our battle. Thank you, Barry Shaw. Amen. Be well. Stay safe. All right, Matt, go ahead. You have an announcement. Uh, you know, I'll, uh, I'm very uncomfortable this after last night's episode, okay, because I have no alerts on my phone. I was notified by a soldier I know personally on the north someplace that rockets have already come back into Israel from Lebanon. And I said, there are no alerts. Are you sure? And he sent the pictures. He saw them and heard them himself. So I don't know what that means. Um, but uh, it's very interesting after last night's um, debacle. Okay. And what are your impressions about last night? Okay, so what Matt is talking about is uh, yesterday evening, uh, the uh, uh, red alert sirens went off all over the north of Israel, from Haifa up north to Kirat Shmona, down to uh, Bet She'an, which is in the Jordan Valley area. The entire northern part of the country got these alerts. Everybody had to run to their bomb shelters. We, I had even given out an announcement to my community that all the women should immediately say prayers and read psalms because the north of Israel has been invaded. That's what was going out. This was an invasion. They were talking about soldiers coming over, the uh, Hezbollah soldiers or Syrians, we didn't know what, coming over the border. That's we were hearing not, We were hearing about like the paragliders, paragliders just like in, in Gaza and drones. Uh, drones. A, a total invasion, all right? Total, all out. Right. And uh, in the end, <laughs> they said it was a glitch. It oops. was a glitch. Yeah, oops. People so, sat so in their bomb shelters you for that? two hours. I don't, I don't know what to believe, but I can tell you that I was already in a place where I thought, this is it. This is the big war, the Gog and Magog. You know, this is like the southern border. Because we know that in this last war, it's going to be a situation, or this is what we understand from the prophecies, that there'll be no place to run. That, the, that Israel will be under rocket and missile fire from the south. There'll be rocket and missile fire from the north. There could be invasions, and there will be no place we can run for safety because the entire country will be under fire. And I live 30 minutes from Megiddo. Yeah. <laughs> it's a northern town, everybody who's not familiar. And, uh, and I was thinking, okay, this, this is you know, probably it. And I live in the Jerusalem area. And that's Judea and, uh, and Samaria. And we are also uh, in a place where there are many, many Arab villages who are all sharpening their knives and getting ready to make, this is what some reports say that are going around. You won't hear it maybe in the Israeli news, but you'll find it in other news sources, smaller ones that aren't restrictive of what they could print, etc. And they're saying that uh, the Arabs are planning an invasion also from Jordan, that military cars are coming, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to panic anybody because these reports are not from the government. Not that you could... There's, a lot, the of, there's a lot of psychological... Uh, <laughs> right, right. I think warfare play but here. I w so you know what? 
let me veer off for a moment since we're talking about the psychological warfare. It's to instill fear in us. And I just want to say this. I want everyone to remember that God controls everything. That we can have the biggest armies in the world. We could have Putin at our door with nuclear weapons aimed at us. It doesn't mean a thing if God doesn't want it to happen. And we know that in the end... It, the, the, it's a happy ending. We're going to survive. Jerusalem is going to be a place of splendor that the entire world is going to be looking towards. And uh, we're going to have the third temple. The Messiah the, is going to come. Uh, uh, this charismatic man that is going to redeem us. It's all going to be good. It's just that the road, the journey to get to that point in history is rocky. And it's dangerous. And it's sometimes deadly, unfortunately, as we've seen with the death toll here. We can suffer a lot until we get there, but don't be afraid. Make them afraid of you. Make oh, them yeah. afraid of you. And as I, I, I wrote an article, maybe I'll read it if we have time. But basically, we have to be bold Jews who are not cowering in bunkers, waiting for a slaughter that we hope that the Israeli army will come and save us. It doesn't always happen as we saw it down south. The Israeli army, as much as we love Sahal, the, uh, the IDF, they can't be everywhere. And my, son, my sons are in Sahal. I served in the IDF. My sons are serving now in the IDF. And uh, everybody here in Israel's got skin in the game. We've got a husband or a kid or somebody that's in the army. Everybody. Everybody. Yeah, everybody. everybody. So, uh, and let me real real yeah. fast. I just like to just update everybody. I just heard from uh, the president. It was a uh, it was a few rockets, but it's quiet. It was, and that's the problem up there. It's sporadic flare-ups that rattle everybody's nerves. Right. So anyway, I just wanted to update. So Israel it's not total is war yet. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the north uh, with Le- Lebanon and or Syria, and now possibly from the east with uh, Jordan. There's a lot of terrorists in Jordan as well that are waiting to come in and, and do this, but they don't have what we have, and that is <laughs> God, Hashem. They don't have. You know what else they don't have? You know, it's not just like the unity in this country is powerful. I, I have to tell you, there it's. Um, they're not going to break us. And, uh, and another beautiful thing about everybody in this country volunteering is because when you're busy, you're not afraid. Uh, and the anger that Israelis feel, fortunately, is a more powerful emotion right now than, than the fear. Um, but um, it's just you have, to, you have to put it behind you. When we are not afraid of them, that scares them. Well, I, I'll tell you that uh, for me personally, sometimes I get a little scared. I have grandchildren living with me right now. I've got my family. We're all together because we want to go through this together as a family. And so I've got three generations in my house living here right now. And it is chaos, let me tell you. <laughs> it's real chaos. And sometimes I look at these little faces and they're going, you know, uh, Safta, which is grandma, you know, grandma. And they're asking me little questions, and I'm looking at these beautiful Shana Ponem, these beautiful faces, and thinking, you know, God forbid, God forbid. But then I just remember, look, uh, when, when I, and I taught this to my children. If you ever get scared, if you're ever in danger and you get scared, stop yourself immediately. Switch it around in your head and get angry because fear paralyzes people. Anger 
makes people active. It makes them react, and they're going to do something. And you're not sitting there waiting for a slaughter. We've already got plans. If anybody dares try to come to our place, we've already got a whole war, a war battalion uh, you know, uh, strategy. Who's going to be where? What's going to happen? Who's going to be whatever? I, I'm just saying everybody needs to plan properly like our father Jacob did when he went to go meet Esau or Esau. And he had a plan. He first uh, tried to make peace with gifts. And then if that wasn't going to work, he was going to prepare, uh, prepare for battle, etc. He prayed to God as well, of course. And that's what everybody here in Israel is doing as well. So to be ready, don't be a patsy. But at the same time, don't be afraid because we know the story is going to end well. We know that. And, you know, and to your point, like, so, and, and everybody, everybody gets afraid. You, you can't help. And then you, but you need to channel it because as I, you know, always told my kids growing up, you cannot be brave unless you're afraid. This is true. You know, and it's, you channel it uh, into something constructive and then you act and then you overcome and, you know, yeah, and that's what everybody's doing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so anyway, I, if I, when I do catch myself getting scared, I just get angry. And I, and I say, how dare they? And they better watch out for me because I am one crazy witch, okay? <laughs> right, harm my kids me, and I, I'll show I'm you. I'm going to have your head on a platter. That, you know, just get, be, uh, you know, now's a real good time for cursing, but I, I, I try not to do those things anymore. You know, I, 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 listen, you? I try every year. I am one crazy you-know-what, and don't you go near me. Think of me I'm, <laughs> You know, <laughs> every every year, every year, story. every year at, uh, you know, uh, Rosh Hashanah, I say, you know, there's something I want to work on myself. I want to grow somehow. And uh, this year I was like, I got to stop with all the profanity. I still have a gutter mouth, blah, 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 blah. And I'm really working on it. But boy, oh boy, is this uh, challenging. <laughs> challenging me. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes you feel like it's really the apt, the apt thing to say. But, uh, I've I slipped do quite anymore, a bit. Or I try not to. I haven't. Uh, I'm, I haven't been doing that stuff for, for some time now. But uh, I just want to say, get angry. If you ever get scared, people, get angry because that makes you act. And you have to protect your family. And you have to destroy anybody that comes to kill you. What, what do they say? Eat them for lunch before they eat you for dinner. Eat you for dinner. So that's what you got to do. Be a brave, bold, strong Jew. And don't go cowering. My father was a Holocaust survivor. And as soon as he got out, he was around 17 years old, more or less, when uh, he, he was uh, liberated. And he came to Israel and he fought in the world War of Independence here in Israel. He was one angry teenager, I can tell you that. When he saw that they, they murdered his father, uh, they barely got out only because of all these other stories. But, you know, be a bold, brave Jew Keep the name of God glorified. Don't go down and, and, and let these people uh, do a chilul Hashem. Don't let them, because when Jews die, it's a chilul Hashem. It's a desecration of God's name. We want to glorify God's name. And we want to bring justice to the world and eliminate these monsters and, and make it a safe place for everybody. Even, by the way, for the few Arabs in the Gaza Strip who are not Jew haters only want to live in peace and hate their own Hamas government because they see how corrupt and evil it is and they would like nothing better than to be back under Israeli uh, rule. Okay. And uh, listen, this just in Alan Silver, uh, 
your frequent guest here, is reporting that the missiles up north were Patriot missiles and they were launched, which means that there was most likely drones or something low-flying over Tzfat. Okay. So, uh, for what that's worth, and Alan's pretty accurate. Okay, you know what? While we're on the subject, maybe I will read. I, I... I'm going to kind of repeat what I said, but I think it's so important because a lot of people here in Israel are afraid. And rightfully so, by the way. We saw these atrocities. And everyone's got, we're a very family-oriented society here. Right, there's getting killed and then there's being butchered. And you want to protect your children, your grandchildren, right? So of course. Let, let me just read to you what I wrote. It's on my Facebook wall, by the way, if anybody wants to share it. If it's, you feel it's going to help you, uh, feel free to do that. Let me, let me go to my wall and do that. Okay, so I wrote here, King David and the terrorists. He'll show us how to do it. And I wrote here, and I shared this on WhatsApp as well. I feel compelled to respond to all the fear running around regarding the war with Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, etc., the social media in Israel has messages going back and forth, debating whether to watch the videos circulating on what went down when the south of Israel was invaded last Shabbat, last Saturday, by these terrorist monsters. The argument presented by some leaders of communities and other influential people is that we people in Israel should not view or share these gruesome videos that are going around. They state that watching these gruesome videos will scare people and have them lose morale. This is true for some. On the other side of this debate, we have Israelis, like me, who see these atrocities on video, and instead of falling into fear, naturally become justifiably enraged. And this motivates them even more to finally defeat the enemy. The videos also show the world what monsters we have to deal with. By the way, I want to just add here, this affects all of you in, outside of Israel as well because these Islamic terrorists, they always say, first the Saturday people, and then the Sunday people, the Christians. First the little Satan, Israel, and then the big Satan, America. So we're like the canary in the coal mine. Now let me get back to this, uh, what I wrote. Encouraging people not to see or share this photographic proof, even with the best intentions, hurts our cause and our justification for wiping out this evil. Because a picture is worth a thousand words. And according to this logic of not sharing and letting others see and understand the depth of these atrocities would be akin to hiding pictures of what happened in the Holocaust because it might scare people or be upsetting. I believe that viewing and sharing these videos is a personal choice and whatever one decides is right for them for me moi hiding from the ugliness in this world is defeating the world needs to look this evil in the eye 
and know what these monsters did to our youth, our babies, our children, our families. After realizing the strength of this terrorist threat that we have here in Israel, many on the social media groups here are focusing on how to best retreat to their bomb shelters, how to lock the doors so the terrorist monsters can't get in and slaughter them. Good. This is important. But though we need to protect our families, the focus, the focus on hiding and waiting for help until our idea of heroes show up is a weak strategy because our heroic IDF may not be able to arrive in time. We have to prepare for this situation and a possible engagement with the enemy. Even if we are simple civilians, what will you do if they do get into your house and they do break down the doors of your safe rooms, your bomb shelters. What is your fighting plan going to be? Remember, wars are not won when they're fought defensively, waiting, locking yourself up and waiting in your safe rooms. They are won, wars are won when they are fought offensively. If you feel that you are falling into to a state of fear, or panic, catch yourself and switch your thinking. I always taught my kids, if you are ever in danger and succumb to the fear, stop yourself immediately and get angry instead. Say to yourself, how dare they try to enter my home? How dare they try to hurt my family? Work yourself up with righteous anger. When people are in fear, they're paralyzed. When people are angry, they take action. Think like a true, proud, and healthy Jew. Ask yourself, what would God's beloved King David do if he were facing enemies committing these atrocities against Israel? We know what the answer is. He would eat them for lunch before they eat him for dinner. Or we can say, eat them for lunch before they eat you for dinner. Have a plan, people. King David would never kick the can down the road regarding a terror entity and the slaughtering of his citizens. As a just king, he would never tolerate decades of murderous attacks against his people. King David wouldn't try to, quote-unquote, contain the terror. No, he wouldn't. And we're getting another red alert signal now in the south of Israel. Uh, and uh, just a moment, and I'm getting a call from uh, Europe from one of my sons who's trying to get back to Israel to join his unit. But let me just finish this very quickly. We're praying for the safety of the people in the south who are under rocket fire right now. Ask yourself, what would the beloved King David do? He wouldn't tolerate this at all. King David would not try to contain the terror or manage it as our leadership today has done for decades. No, we all know what King David would do. And I'm reading now from the psalm, one of the psalms that he wrote, Psalm number 18, verse 38, start from there. I will pursue my enemies and overtake them, 
never turning back until they are consumed. I will crush them so that they cannot rise. Yea, until they have fallen under my feet. For you, God, have girded me with the strength of the battle. You have subdued under me those that rose up against me. And of my enemies, you have given me the back of their necks. Those that hate me, that I may cut them off. That's what King David wrote. That's what King David would do. He would not stop until they were eliminated. And as for us today, and many of us who are living in a state of fear, folks, switch your thinking and be like King David. Be like a proud Jew. Be like a healthy Jew. And make our enemies afraid of us not us afraid of them. They better be afraid of me because I'm going to, woo you don't know what I'm going to do. So everybody be strong <laughs> and, a, and of good courage, and let's do what King David would do, eliminate these monsters once and for all. I now step down from my pedestal. Wow. You go, sister. You know, the, like, I love the King David... Uh comparison because isn't he like just like the greatest you know bible figure i I guess you could say post torah and beloved of god and the messiah is going to come from him from his a hundred percent but i wonder how many modern day jews would be comfortable (laughs) if they read king david and know how he would handle uh not just how he would handle it the correct way you know know, they would they would they would think that that is actually being un-jewish because they have been uh, too steeped in Western culture and political correctness, and th- that's the way they, they've, they've, they're entrenched in that society, and that's how they think. I'm going to get your next guest on. You, you go ahead and take the mic. All right, great. Thank you very much. Yeah, tomorrow we'll be looking at uh, Sam and Mimi Kogan, brother and sister, uh, live here in Israel, um, who, are, who are running this um, charity to outfit all of our troops. Um, and we just give you a brief background. Uh, the Kogan's grandparents, friends with my parents, families have been, we've been friends for years. Um, and uh, they live uh, in the, in the what they call the Merkaz, or the central area of, of Israel. And although they've gotten their share of rockets as well, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't deter anybody. Everybody's out doing what they can to help each other. And it really, it, it, it's so empowering. Um, you know, when you sit and you watch the news and you get ready to run into your shelter, it's just, it increases the fear that Tamar was talking about. So instead you channel that and you go out and do something. And, um, what these two, what these two siblings are doing is just like remarkable. Um, so hopefully, uh, it will speak to you. They'll, uh, give you out their contact information as well in case you want to have an opportunity to contribute. It's, um... It's really the best way to spend your money. And I know that people, you know, a lot of people in America are saying to me, how can we give? How can we give? And they want to give to this American Friends charity, Amogan David Adom or Hatzalah. And these are all great charities. But the fact of the matter is when you're in a conflict, the bigger the charities, it takes the lo- it takes longer for the goods to trickle down to the to the soldiers and the fact of the matter is if you write a charity to a, a, a check to a big charity, fact is you're probably just going to be resupplying them for 
the next conflict. So enable to respond quickly, there's a number of grassroots charities in Israel where everyone's just raising money so that we can buy the gear here and distribute it across the country to um, uh, to the soldiers wherever they need them. And I understand that uh, Sam Kogan is now on the line. Sam, are you there? I was just uh, filling everybody in on uh, briefly on your operation, but why don't you um, explain to everybody what you're doing and what the needs are and how you how you got this brainchild and, and went into action. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, it all started on Sunday morning. Well, Saturday, the whole war started and everyone was in shock, and I served in Gadsar Nachal, which is a reconnaissance unit. Um, I got hurt during my service, so I uh, am not in reserves, but all my boys were sent up north to the northern border, and uh, they um, like told me right away that they had no food, no warm clothes, like none of the supplies that they needed. So my first goal was to get my boys, the people I served with, anything they needed, which was, like, any, any like, warm gear, food, um, knee pads. Like, they really were missing everything. So um, the first thing we did was we went to the, uh, um, we went to the supermarket and pretty much bought the whole supermarket. And it was me and my sister at first. And then we had two people from Renana. I live in Renana, uh, which is in central Israel. And um, we had two people from the community that helped us just buy the whole supermarket. And then eventually this operation from buying the supermarket went to uh, raising a lot of money. I think between all of us, we raised $100,000. We started, we went up the next day to the northern border and gave my guys all the food that we bought the whole family, uh, the whole community contributed. We bought lots of food from the supermarket. We brought hot food. We brought um, all the supplies they asked. And then people realized that we had, uh, were raising money. So then other units started asking us. So we've been now working for five days and we've gotten to like five, six different bases um, with big donations and we've also gotten to many more with smaller donations and uh, we're continuing our operations but it all started with just trying to help out my guys is the is the cash flow maintaining because when i was there today i couldn't believe how much merchandise was getting packed up and put into cars it was like there was a line of cars getting ready to get filled and and, and yeah. dispatched so to wherever so today where you picked up the stuff was just donations from everyone in the community wasn't from our cash flow just whatever right. people oh, okay. either had bought or had from their houses and then on the side we have special requests so that's just like any general people that want to give whatever they can and on the side we have specific requests from soldiers in the fields like on the front lines we're like hey i need a hundred of hundred uh flashlights and a hundred um which are camelbacks can you get them to me? And then I have to figure out how we're going to get it, who the drivers are, where we're going to buy them. There's a big problem now in Israel where the cash flow is good. Everyone wants to donate, but there's not a lot of supply. The country wasn't ready for 
300 uh, reservists, 300,000 reservists. So all the supply from all these uh, stores are not, it's now running dry. So people are trying and to bring it from overseas. Ricochet shelves are empty, right? What? Ricochet shelves are empty. The ricochet the shelves are empty. All all these stores, even the supermarkets, hard to buy like cigarettes and water. Like it's wow. uh, so so now people are shipping over shipments from America, UK, um, but. The supply's running dry, which is kind of crazy. Okay, so, you know, my son actually is in America right now, and, and you know, my brother is like, oh, well, you know, he wants to send him back here with, like, a duffel bag of gear, and he says, what, do you, what does he need? I'm, I, you know, I have no idea, and that's why I encourage him to spend the money here and let the people on the ground um, get it quicker to the people, but if you're telling me, wow, that, that you can't even buy this stuff here. Yeah, so people now have, uh, I mean... Uh, my my operations now gotten really big where I have like connections with all people all across the country and um, no everyone's struggling everyone's struggling to find the supplies that they need so um, I, we're, we started to look abroad and see how we could try to bring things over from there. Wow, do you know anybody in the states who might be able to ship things so you don't have to? Yeah, we on- we know. Not only not only does. Um, like the the best way would be just pers- like uh, people bringing their duffel bags or another suitcase or whatever because the um, IDF just came out with a statement saying that like any big cargo ships or like full planes of stuff they're not gonna take because uh, I don't know they don't want to spend money I don't exactly understand why but they said that like big shipments will not be allowed to come in Israel so. Like so people, have in the, to be. people in the U.S. who want to contribute gear, then okay. So let's say you know, uh, you know, I want to fill my kid's suitcase, and then hey, I'll, I'll yeah. put the extra luggage, bring it back. How do you know what to put into the suitcase? Okay, so the biggest um, things that I've seen that people need are uh, like warm gear, meaning like uh, like gloves, neck warmers, thermal shirts, thermal pants, underwear, socks. That's pretty much been a big request. I, then, I want to interrupt for a moment. Sorry, Sam. Uh, yeah. if, if anyone uh, is going to be purchasing things like you just mentioned, underwear, socks, etc., I want to really recommend that people try to find the socks and underwear, especially socks, that are made with the copper in it that are antibacterial, and I want to tell you why. In one of the previous uh, wars against the Hamas in Gaza, uh, I was speaking with a soldier. He was sitting on my living living room couch, and I was asking him to tell me about his experiences there. And he was saying how they were holed up in one of the houses in Gaza, and they have to they're they're in a gunfights and battles, and they cannot take off their shoes. He was not allowed to take off his boots for over a week. Until he got back to base, and when he took off his socks, the bottom of his feet came off. The skin from the bottom of his feet came off because there's no air circulation in there. The sweat, the dirt, the, the bacteria, it's just his skin was coming off. And so if, if people can possibly buy this copper, uh, these, these socks and, and uh, underwear that's made from copper, it will greatly uh, reduce this type of thing happening to our soldiers. Go ahead. Yep. I totally, I totally agree. Uh, as a soldier, 
the antibacterial socks and underwear are super helpful. I also know that in, like, the Second Lebanon War, people didn't take their shoes off for months, not even weeks. So it's super my important. Son, my son did 10 days once in the Army. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I, did, I personally did two weeks of not taking my shoes off, so I totally oh. know the importance of it. So with the clothing, whether it be, you know, you know, underpants or shirts or, or um, you know, the base layers tend to be wicking. But would you uh, not agree that cotton is probably not the best fabric to send? No, no, no. Any of like the, yeah, cotton's definitely not the best fabric. It would be, I don't exactly know what the fabric is, but all thermal, like anything that you would wear under like uh, football wicking, jerseys yeah. and stuff would be good. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, that's great. And so, if people if people want to buy stuff and get it to you, how would they how would they contact you? Um, I guess they could contact me by my phone number. Should I send a phone number? Yeah, yeah sure. Or by email. Maybe going to people Which in are, the states. Give out both. So, give out both. Yeah. All right. So my personal phone number is zero five two seven five eight six eight nine three. My email is sam s a m D-O-G-A-N-21 at gmail.com. All right. And I hope that you got that, Matt, so we can uh, possibly put Sam, that in. Sam Kogan, 21 at Gmail. Yep. Yeah. I want to also announce that we've just had red alert sirens going off in the north of Israel, the northern tip uh, in the, what's called the finger uh, up north in Israel just now. Uh, near Metula. That's Metula, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, red alert sirens there. Uh, this is this is uh, on the uh, it's close to the Syrian border, but it's with um, Lebanon, and we are praying for the soldiers and the civilians who are there under fire. Hey, and Sam, thank you very much for everything you guys doing. I mean, you know, and I think I told you earlier it was very powerful. You go up there, and these soldiers are so appreciative. It's like the kindest thing that was ever done for them. And they they think the delivery people are the stinking heroes while they're sitting up there, braving the elements, protecting us. And I, what you're doing is just unbelievable. And I hope everybody uh, decides to reach out and find a way to help you help our troops. I I appreciate it, and uh, yeah. I mean, it's really amazing to see that during all these hard times, all the everyone in Israel just stops what they're doing and and wants to help out and wants to be a part of it. Uh, it's really great, it's beautiful. And uh, I want to shout out to Eric Nachomovsky, Rachel Nachomovsky, and Cliff for helping me out with my operation. All right, thank you to everyone. Sam, all take right. care. And listen, you know, you know, I'm ready to drive for you anytime. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good luck. And And thanks for having me. Be safe. Stay safe. Thank you. All right. Uh, So uh, as we're speaking, we we are uh, live now. If you're listening to us on Thursday at 5.11 p.m. Israel time, which I believe is 10.11 a.m. U.S. Eastern time, then this show is live. If you're listening to the show at any other time, this is a replay. And we our next live show will be on Sunday, only due to the Sabbath. And that's, uh, you know, if we're still alive and kicking over here, <laughs> then we'll be back in the microphone. You know, thank you for Sunday. thank you for 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 time stamping it in case it's replayed because I know, uh, you know, my mom likes to follow the news during Shomer Homot, the what the what was it May twenty twenty one conflict. My mom likes to follow the news in Israel, so she watches I twenty four, which is English 
news and uh they were replaying a package from the war without something on there and said you know previously recorded and my mom called me freaking out <laughs> yeah so we'll we'll tr we'll try to do that but uh you should always assume that what you're hearing on uh our uh, listen now button the red one that this is our stream that is playing sometimes we're live and sometimes you're hearing a uh, replay of things so um, we hope that's clear to all of our listeners all right I'm going to try to get on another guest uh, Matt in the meantime maybe you can share with people uh, you were interviewed yesterday on a radio station in Philadelphia, I believe. Why don't you share with them what they asked you, what they wanted to know, what you said? And well, what I was on, yeah, I was on with um, Dom Giordano on WPHT, which is 12:10 a.m. And Dom and I actually know each other from years back. And in a previous life, I used to work in talk radio, and Dom and I worked together. And so, uh, really, just trying to find some way of contributing to the war effort part of it is unfortunately the need for public relations so i reached out to him and asked if uh i could have some time so that i could just explain to him what we're dealing with on the ground the nature of our enemy um and uh it was it, dom is uh solid on israel as i was telling him and i really appreciate it he's actually led listener trips here and when they go out to judea and samaria and go into towns like uh, Bethlehem or or Jericho, which are controlled by the Palestinian Authority, they are required to put on a Palestinian local guide. Um, and uh, he doesn't... <laughs> He makes a lot of noise on the tour bus with the with the Palestinian Authority tour guide with all the lies that he spreads. So uh, the guy's really good. Anyway, he he was very kind to give me some um, some time because I think it's important for everybody to to hear from people on the ground and not just reporters who really uh, it's kind of like groupthink. And there's not a lot of people. Occasionally, you get the reporters who are really on the front line making making some news, but uh, it's uh, we have a different perspective that they don't get. They get frequently driven around, uh, talking points by this person or that person, and uh, I just think um, as many American expats as possible can get out there and tell the American people back home what's going on. Um, is great because from what I understand back in the States and tomorrow, I don't know what you've been hearing um, that, that the um, outpouring of support for Israel really is unprecedented. But the flip side of that is the Jew haters are coming out uh, strong as well. And if there's no, you know, I've, I've said for a long time, I, I, uh, I have empathy for certain aspects of the Arab narrative here, but I reject the Palestinian um, national identity because it's really about destroying Jews and Israel. It's not about building Palestine. Um, and uh, it's just uh, – anyway. 
Well, hopefully you could be interviewed on a lot more stations to let people know what's going on. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to get the word out because you know the the fact is you know I'm trying to encourage people to be strong and stand up and not be quiet. It's scary, especially with some of these like Palestinian activists are are violent. They're vile. They're they try to scare you and intimidating, intimidate you. But the fact of the matter is they they I mean they really are <laughs> I think evil. Um, because anybody who says that they're pro-Palestinian, ask them what the Palestinians should do for peace. There's never a Palestinian condition. It's all Israel. And, and by the way, their, their charter, the terrorists in suits, Mahmoud Abbas and Ramallah, their charter still calls for the destruction of Israel. So, you know, I, I resent our, I resent our uh, government here in Israel talking to them like they're actual an actual peace partner um i guess fortunately we don't have to deal with them right now well, they would love anymore. by the way hamas to disappear because it's competition yeah i want to say there's a, a video going around of a woman trying to ask a question to congresswoman rashida talib uh, oh saying, yeah i saw that, saw that? Ah. she's saying uh congresswoman do you uh, or do you support the chopping off the heads of little babies? Because that's what happened, by the way, if you haven't heard it. Uh, do you do you believe uh, in, in, in the right of the... I, I, this is what I remember. I'm not quoting her. Uh, do you believe in uh, setting people on fire while they're still alive? Uh, you know, and, and all of these atrocities took place. And she's just walking by and she's not commenting. She's not saying... And, I, she, I and the reporter not, I, kept asking the I question. Com- oh, and then she's asked her, hey, if... Uh, if you have a Palestinian flag outside your office, are you saying you condone this? She wouldn't say a word. No, she didn't. She, she didn't is a her. vile, ugly she human being. Say, and when I, I say ugly, I'm talking ugly inside. Children, I don't. I'm not. A, you know what I mean? She's just. I condemn a creature. These war crimes, these atrocities. Let, let me just tell you. I'm gonna t- tell you all. If you don't want to listen, I want you to. I want you to listen to the show. But I'm going to share some of the gruesome details right now. So if you don't want to hear for the next uh, maybe minute, just turn your volume down and then stay with us. But you have to understand what happened on Saturday and the viciousness. You know what? Also, go to my Facebook page, Tamar Yona. And I did a video. I stayed up very late that night because I couldn't sleep because it was so so horrible the information that was that was, was the worst day yeah. ever yeah that's when the story started to come out and uh, we we found out what they did and uh, i spoke with a soldier also who was an eyewitness to the devastation that was there when the soldiers got into the southern communities there that were devastated dead bodies all over the place babies were uh, uh with their heads cut off some of the babies with their limbs cut off uh, 40 of them 40 40 little babies and little children and kids were were executed they found dead children next to their bicycles yeah some in their pajamas and barefoot were kidnapped and taken to gaza go ahead now i watched um you know look i'm I'm not conversant in hebrew yet so i was watching the i-24 and their reporter was doing a live shot down there on the day that that was all being revealed and how this reporter, um, Nicole Tzedek, I think was her name, she is unbelievable how she got through that report, describing what they were, what they had seen. You know, you could tell she was struggling. 
to keep her composure. I don't know that I could have done it. Yeah. It was just the. And we're talking ISIS on <sighs> steroids. That's but, you know they found about. they did find ISIS flags. <sighs> apparently, in some of the wreckage. Anyway. I want to I want to tell you some more uh, details that maybe people don't know. Uh, I mean, people. The soldier that I spoke with who went in and saw the massacre, there were hundreds of bodies lying around. And this is why I was explaining to people, if you go to my Facebook page and watch that video that I did, the reason that the death death toll keeps creeping up is because until they get a body and tag it and put a number to it, it's not counted as dead. So that's why they say at least... A thousand dead, at least eleven hundred dead, at least twelve hundred dead, at least thirteen. Right, because there are they know that there are other bodies there. They see them, but they can't get to them so easily because a lot of these bodies are booby trapped. They, they will, today at the Hever Kedusha when they were cleaning a dead body and preparing him for burial, they found a grenade in him. Yes, yes. So as soon as you move the body, boom. So they've got to get sappers out there. They've got to make sure that the area is clean. One of the soldiers opened up the door to a home to go in to see if there's any survivors, anyone wounded. And as soon as he opened the door, it blew up in his face. So the soldiers are not allowed to go there until they have the proper uh, people to go there. Yes, to go there and clear out and make the area clean. So there will be bodies that are lying there for days until they can get enough people and and the work done. It is an atrocity. It's war crimes, crimes against humanity. It is evil, evil, evil. And these are the monsters that we're trying to uh, eliminate now. So nobody has to, God forbid, go through this. There was a report on the news also. One of the things that they did when people went into their bomb shelters t- uh, with their families and they locked the doors there. And, th- and some of these bomb shelters, uh, they, you know, they weren't able to get into, they weren't able to break down the door or turn the handle. So what happened was that they went out to their cars, the, their own people's cars, these civilian cars. They took the tires off the cars and they brought them into the house or the building where they were and they set them on fire. So the black choking smoke anything that could possibly get in to the uh mamad or the the safe room because some of newer ones you can seal them off from the air in case there was poison gas but some of the older mamad some of the older bomb shelters things uh, air can get through and they try to smoke them out until the people opened up the door trying to run for safety to breathe or try to climb out the window and then they would slaughter the family this is what we're dealing with. This is what we're dealing with. They burned people alive. I saw pictures of people still in their cars with charcoaled bodies. Men, mothers, fathers, babies. Just I've seen the photos of charred bodies. babies. Charred babies. I saw them. And I'll tell you, I, I think everything needs to be made available for anybody who wants to see it because and and you know what as soon as they liberated the concentration camps what did eisenhower do he wanted everything photographed and documented 
because people just won't believe it. He said people won't believe that. Well, believe me, that was nothing. I mean, I won't say nothing, but you know what has done here was like the Nazis couldn't dream some of that stuff up. And by the way, make no mistake about it, these people are Nazis. That term gets thrown around a lot these days. It's the same ideology. Matt, we have uh, a caller calling in from Eureka, California. Uh, hi, caller. What's your first name and where you and uh, and what's your comment or question for us here at Israel News Talk Radio? Yeah, hi. My name's Marcus Jones. Sorry, I hear that. I'm going to pick me on speaker. My name's Marcus Jones. I'm from Eureka, California. Um, I was looking for news on podcasts for you know regarding this whole Israel conflict and absolute assault from hell. And I stumbled across your uh, the podcast here, Israel News Talk Radio, where I found Tamar, and I showed all my friends. I showed my family. We listened very faithfully. And for like two days, I didn't hear Tamar's voice. And we started praying hard. And I'm telling you what, I sent you messages on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, just to know if you're okay, because I know at one point we're listening and there's uh, the sirens and you had to go away. So we were just super worried. But I'm so glad to know that Tamar is okay. Thank you. That's really the main point of my call. Well, thank you. That is so sweet of you, Marcus. I really appreciate that. By the way, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, uh, probably the best way is my email. I'll give it out. It's Tamar, T-A-M-A-R, at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. You can also try to find me on Facebook, although I'm not as active. And Twitter, forget it. <laughs> I stay away from Twitter as much as possible. Um, and I'm not on all the other things. All right, as we're speaking, we're having another red alert siren going off uh, in Karim Shalom, which is in the south of Israel. It's the Gaza envelope area. We're praying for all of the people there who are running for cover right now. Uh, God bless them and keep them safe, please. Uh, let's let's uh, go on. I, I want to ask you, Marcus, um, so you, you found out about us. What is the feeling of uh, people in your community about this? Oh, we lost him. Okay. So, so we, oh, well, well, too we'll bad. I was, I was going to say, I would like to know what uh, the feel is where he lives on yeah, the ground. Yeah. Okay. So let me go on just to talk about what's happened there. Um, amidst their their slaughter of the families in these different kibbutzim and the burning down of homes, like many of the people have evacuated the south already, and many of them do not have any homes to come back to unfortunately, because they were burned down or destroyed uh, with grenades, etc. that that they came in. But uh, they burned people alive. They burned children alive. They raped little children. A four-year-old girl, I understand, was raped and then mutilated. Um, they, uh, they booby-trapped the body afterwards so they couldn't be, even go for burial people. And you have to understand that families here in Israel... They didn't even know what happened to their family members. They don't know if they were kidnapped and brought to Gaza or if they were dead lying in the field somewhere or in, the, or in their home somewhere lying dead. They, they don't know. And you know what? Until, yeah, I have to tell you, yeah, along the, that line right there, excuse me for interrupting, I'm, I'm looking at a headline right here in the Times of Israel. Father recounts welcoming the news his eight-year-old girl is dead rather than being held in Gaza. Yeah, I think, I think that the worst thing in the world is not to be able, yet your kid is still alive and he's kidnapped and you can't help him. Like, like this is making, it makes me queasy. I mean, this, I mean, look, you know, God, you know, God forbid you ever 
have to know anything about what this is like. You know, I I was sitting here, I would much rather bury my child than wonder where the heck they are in Gaza. You just think, and what you know, and what's calling, being happened to Daddy, them. mommy, daddy, help me, help me, and and, and right. you can't. You know, it's like the worst, the worst hell, hell on earth. <sighs> and we have children right now as we're talking being held by the Hamas, and who knows what so they're doing can, to them. I, I like, to, you know what? Let's talk about the children for a second. First of all, I don't know that the world pays much attention, but every child in the South has PTSD because of how frequently rockets are launched down there before this. Right, but I have a friend who lived on a border kibbutz. I mean, I imagine he'll go back there again. He's lucky to be alive. He was in his safe room for most of Saturday into Saturday evening with his wife and children listening to gun battles outside, listening to gun battles. And he actually got called up for reserves while he was in the shelter. And he said, I'd love to go. Please come get me. You know, and and so last text I got from him, he was still in his uh, safe room. Mamad, they're, they're called here. And uh, I didn't hear back from him for another day and a half. I, I thought he was dead and um, got quick text from him. Nothing, you know, long. He, he's alive. Every his whole family is alive. Um, he lost many neighbors, friends. Um and they were able to get to up to the Mirkaz, to the center part of the country, to other family. Um, and I thought, what did his children see when they left that house? And it's bad enough for an adult to see what we've seen. And I just can't imagine the next generation, the, the scars. It's, uh, <laughs> we don't have, we're going to have to start importing psychologists after this. <laughs> I I I I uh I think it's one of the worst things the state of Israel has ever uh experienced the modern state of Israel. Uh many are saying it's worse than the 1973 Yom Kippur war. The amount of people killed then this the, you know everyone where this is this battle is on the home front. It's not you send your kid off to war and you're praying for him. This is happening in our houses and as I'm speaking right now we're having red alert sirens going off. Uh, in Ashdod, which is south of Tel Aviv, and uh, there's at least. Uh, Did you oh say boy. Tel Aviv? Uh, south of Tel Aviv. South of Tel Aviv. Yeah, like yeah, Yama, yeah. Ashdod. But wait a second. More and oh. more. This is a barrage of missiles now because it's uh, several cities: Ashkelon and uh, Ashdod. Different Yavna. parts. Yeah, you see them. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Carmia, Zikim, those are along the Gaza envelope as well. And uh, we're praying for everybody's safety who is now running for cover to try to get out of uh, danger for their... Um, I I'll tell re- you what. You know what? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just want to remind everybody that if you're here in Israel, the directives are to leave your television on, on the Sabbath, on Shabbat. I'm going to repeat this for anybody who didn't hear before. Okay, we're getting more red alert sirens. I'll, I'll uh, let you know if any, any additional cities. But uh, leave your ch- uh, TV on on Channel 14. It's going to be a silent station. That means you will not hear anything coming off of the airwaves there unless there's an emergency. And you are to leave your cell phones on as well if you get any, uh, to, to receive any instruction 
uh, from. Are you monitoring something or is that your red alert? This is a red alert uh, from my phone going off. Oh, okay. And I'm getting notices on my computer in front of me as well. I want people to hear uh, something similar to what the sirens are because the sirens themselves are frightening. But I have uh, to tell you, I, I you know what I, I want was them here. to understand what it's like. Go ahead. Oh, the jets are coming in low. There they go. I love the sound of the jets overhead. I, I it, it puts a smile on my face. Um, we were here visiting once. I think it was twenty or rather, I don't know, twenty eighteen, something like that. And we were in Holon. And rockets made it to Holone, and we actually got to experience the the red alerts and the you know there was no safe room. It was an old apartment, so we had to go into the stairway, and uh, there was interceptions. And um, then the home front command came out and said three days worth of food, stay close to home. You know, and uh, we had just got to the apartment. We I had to go out shopping because it was Shabbat, and we had no food. And uh, I was at an outside market, another. Red alert goes off. Everybody calmly goes down into the bomb shelter in the basement. And when the Iron Dome intercepted the rocket, the basement walls shook. I couldn't believe it. You know, you look at it on TV, you're like, oh, a rocket shoots another rocket. However many, like, you know, thousand feet, hundred, however many hundreds of feet, whatever, the basement walls shook. And I was like, wow. Whew. And then, of course, you have to stay inside for 90 seconds while the rocket debris falls to Earth. Right. And then you hear that big boom, you know, explosions, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. But you know what? Here was, uh, yeah, yeah, boom. And you can actually tell with the different explosions, which was the rocket, I think, and which was the Iron Dome. But, you know, and the very strange um, feeling that we had was after that happened, we didn't want to get on a plane and go back to America. It's very strange. It's a very strange feeling. Think about what's going on here, and planes are filling up with Israelis trying to get home. Yeah, my son included. I have one son. Uh, I have two sons in the army. My my son and my son-in-law was like a son to me, and uh, and they're both uh, heroes. I have to tell you, as are everybody in this country today, heroes. I, I and really. Everybody's because this war is not just on the borders of Israel; it's on the home front. We're all under rocket fire, uh, threats of terror, inf- uh, infiltration, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And everybody has a job. Everybody's to do. got a job, and if you don't have a job, you're volunteering for a job, and you're doing things. And everybody's picking up the slack that the government should be doing, which they're not doing. We can talk about that as well, but. Uh, it's really inspiring to be here now with all of the stress and the pressure and, 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 and our knowledge that we never know what's going to happen, right? You don't know if you're going to be the next statistic. You don't know if your kids are or your parents are or anybody, someone in your family. And, and yet everybody is so nice to each other and helpful and just, it's just miraculous. Uh, you know, look, I, we, I went to a funeral the other day in Partisana. Um, soldier fell on the Gaza border, one of our boys here. And I didn't know him, but we felt we had to go. He was from my town. So we went over. Um, and there had to be 3,000 people there. And the people come together. And so I saw a guy I know there, and we were talking. And it's like in a very strange way, they're like the – it's a strange way. I don't even know. I don't even know the words for it. But there's a certain beauty um, 
in the camaraderie in these in these days. You know, everybody's in the same position and like strangers hugging strangers. You know, I was I had a doctor's appointment the other day and, uh, you know, my son is in the army. My son is in a place on the border up in Lebanon and we don't even know where he is. We're not allowed to. So, you know, lady, lady at the doctor's office asking us how, you know, you know, it's stressful. How is everybody holding up? Blah, 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 blah. Comes up. My son's in the, in the army. Where is he? You know, my wife gets emotional. She starts weeping and this lady comes over and she's hugging her and, you know, and like just everything stopped and we're just two women embrace and we'll spend some time together. She went and got her a Toblerone. (laughs) People take care of each other. Everybody, we are all family. And I don't know if people can appreciate that. You know, it's, uh, it's, so it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I'm sorry that we're going through this. Sorry if the jets are. Yeah, we hear the jets. Let's, let's listen. That one's low. Let's listen. You know, uh, Matt, I want to say something here, that though we are proud of our boys who are fighting by air, by sea, because the, the, the terrorists are trying to get in by sea also. They're coming in from Gaza, going north, and then trying several, to infl- several yeah, attacks infiltrate by our cities. Yeah. And by ground, by land. Although we're very, very proud of them, I do have to say that it is disgraceful of us that after six days of fighting, they're still sending rockets and missiles towards our cities. I mean, our, our, our leadership here is trying to say, oh, we're, we're really taking out the terrorists. They're hiding underground. Look at And they, they show some shots of some, you know, uh, buildings that were taken down in Gaza. But that hasn't stopped the Hamas. They're, and they're just a bunch of ragtag terrorists. They're not even a real country or state or anything. They're just a uh, bunch oh. of terrorists and against the Israeli military after six days. And I remember our leadership saying, oh, we can take Gaza back in two days, you know, when they wanted to get yeah, away Yeah, but there's over them. 100 hostages there. And by the way, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, no, no. But still, you, you still, the, I, I would imagine that the, uh, the, the majority of the terrorists are not sitting with the hostages. They're right, launching well, let me ask the you rockets, etc. You, you know, there's a lot of palaces in Gaza. You know, that open-air concentration camp crap yeah. that people throw around? Yeah, there's palaces villas. there. There's yeah. opulence. There's beautiful malls. You just don't see that because no one wants you to. Right. right? right. Are those buildings still standing? Are the, are the rich neighborhoods still standing? First of all, I can't believe, you know, with them holding Israeli hostages for the last 10 or 12 years that, you know, we let this continue and that, that there's still palaces there. But, um, yeah, I don't know what to do. I, I look, the hostages are the wild card. Um, and I don't know what to do about that. But personally, I think the the rules of engagement need to be so loose. Like, I. You know what? I want to say this. I, 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 there is not, there is not, and God forgive me. God forgive me. Because I know that there's innocent people in Gaza. There's people who like to come to Israel and work and make money who just want, want to live in peace. But not one of those lives is worth another Jew. 
Matt, I want to say something here. You know, we are always, uh, I, I mentioned before in, in the piece that I wrote on, that's on my Facebook page, that if we fight a war defensively, which we've always been doing lately, and not offensively, we're going to lose this war. You cannot win a war fighting defensively. And we're always waiting for uh, what are they going to do next, and then we respond to it instead of taking the initiative. I think we should right now, the government should say, if, you, if our... If our uh, civilians and our soldiers and everyone you're holding there that you've kidnapped is not returned immediately, is not released, we're going to go into the prisons and we're going to take your uh, terrorists that are convicted terrorists and start executing them. We're going to start you know executing what? them. I'm going to tell you something. Take the I don't know that I don't know that that will make a lick of difference. Start giving the death penalty out to these terrorists instead of feeding them and giving them college educations while they're sitting in our prisons that our tax dollars are paying for. They'll be executed. That's it. Why do we wait? Why are we even, what is there even to talk about? They're holding men, women, and children, babies over there, and we just are making some air attacks? And, why and, do we treat, and, why do we treat them in our hospitals still? the initiative? Yeah, tell them about that. Matt. Yeah, yeah. So, they so don't know. Tell people in it. Gaza, people in Gaza, Gaza, Hamas politicians and their their wives and their their kids come to Israel to get operated on. That to disgusts get medical me. treatment because ours is better than that theirs. disgusts me. And by the way, I don't know if you heard the news. They had, and I forget which hospital in the Tel Aviv area, that an actual Hamas terrorist was in the same room as a wounded soldier. Yeah. And, not, and and a bunch of Israeli citizens heard about that, and they were about to go and remove that Hamas terrorist from the hospital. And the Israeli government finally said, okay, no more hospitals, no more Hamas being treated at hospitals. They will go to IDF detention facilities and be treated there. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of these terrorists I read admitted to uh, cutting off the limbs of, uh, of uh, as a Jewish kid. While they're alive, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And and we're treating this this these monsters we should be I'm not I have to tell you something. I wouldn't treat anybody out of Gaza. You're all cut off. Your kids got cancer? I'm sorry. Screw them. I'm sorry. I'm so angry. The anger is like I seethe at what we And I got to tell you something. I'm angry at us cuz we helped create this. We have been weak. All right? Our, our enemy does not fear not us. us. And now not us, and now our leadership. We, I'm sorry? Not us, our leadership has been Our made. leadership, right. We are so motivated now, now for we justice. have to make them afraid of us and that's going to be ugly and as a human being, I don't want to have to do what I think has to be done. And I'm angry about it. All right. I want to say also that uh, those of our brothers and sisters, our Jewish brothers and sisters that are still living in the cursed exile maybe a comfortable exile you might be living in a western country you have a nice swimming pool and everything's nice but it's still the exile and 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 the exile was a curse so for and those everybody of you, has a car <laughs> for, for those of you still uh sitting there and have not yet made aliyah to israel or moved to israel to our homeland i just want to warn you that the hamas is apparently calling on uh muslims around the world to rise up against the Jews and to uh, have Jewish targets to uh, kill and uh, destroy around the world. And there's a video going around now that I've seen in the Diamond District where in New, in New York, where a lot of Jews work, and there's a bunch of 
uh, Arabs out there or Arab supporters with the mask, you know, the keffiyeh around their faces so you can't identify them. And they're the screaming, scarf. get down here, Jew, you know, you know, and, and you see that they're coming for the Jews. So don't think that you're safe outside of Israel and that you're not in the fray here because we know that the safest place for the Jewish people is going to be in Israel because here we've got guns and we are, are the, the, the people here are heartened and motivated and you in the exile are relying on the foreign governments to protect you and they may not always do that. We saw what happened when there were riots in New York Yankee Rosenblum, I think his name was. Yeah, Crown, Crown Height Riot. Yeah, what, the Crown Height Riot. And, and he was, was murdered in cold blood in daylight there. And the, the police didn't go in. They said, well, we're going to wait a couple of days until tensions calm down. And so the, the, it, it, things ran amok. Don't rely on someone else to save you. We know what we're supposed to do, and that is to come to Israel. And I want to add here something a spiritual aspect of this if i can if you'll give me another of course. two minutes Please. matt you're so patient with me thank you i'm talking <laughs> so much but i have so much i want to share and say you know the people here in israel if you hear them on the news being interviewed especially those who were victims or are the parents of uh children who were who were kidnapped or or were killed were, were whatever the people are screaming at the government that you let this happen and nobody has come to our aid nobody's even called us to find out if we're all right if we need psychological services and to to tell us the status if they know that our child is dead or they know that the child was kidnapped nothing the state of israel the government apparatus has not done its job and people are left abandoned and people are furious about the state of Israel failing its people. And I think on one hand, this is a good thing, and I'm going to tell you why in a second. Because first of all, the people of Israel, that's the civilians, have risen up and have taken the reins and they're doing everything that the state should have been doing. We are doing it even better than the state could have done. And people have now lost faith in the government of being their savior. And we've got a, a supposed national unity government now, which is a, it's, you could look at it in a positive way, you can look at it in a negative way, I won't go into that right now. But the, the government is looked at as weak, cowardly, too slow, and there, are, by the way, there are a lot of conspiracy theories going around, which which might even be true. I'm not going to talk about it now, because we don't have enough um, basis to and sources to to sources. But a lot of people do not trust the government anymore. They say this: it's impossible that they could that these people could have been under the the terrorists had seven hours to do their their uh, atrocities and their massacres, and the government. Where was the government? Where was the military? Where were the people who were supposed to come in and save our citizens? Why were guns taken away from the, the security uh, in, in September? Because they say, oh, well, we don't want them get, to get stolen from, from your house, so everybody needs to turn in their automatic weapons. Not pistols. People can still have their pistols, but the machine guns that the security of the communities have, uh, they're turned in, and they're supposed to be given out to people if you find yourself under attack, which is 
kind of like too late already, but, but I'm not going to go into that right now. The, simply, the point is I want to make is that the people of Israel, whether you're right wing or left wing or religious or non-religious, they have lost faith in the government to protect them. And even Sahal, the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, which we love, by the way, because we are, our sons, our husbands, we loved Sahal. But even the army wasn't able to save us when we needed it. And so that idol has been smashed that, oh, don't worry, we don't need God because Sahal will save us. Or we don't need the army because we have such a great government with such amazing intelligence that the government is, is going to save us. Or we got a good friend in America and Washington and America is going to save us. All of those idols have been smashed They've all been smashed, and now we're going to have no place other to look for help rather, uh, other than Hashem, God in heaven. When we, God forbid, see an open, uh, the, the northern front open and more missiles and, and better, smarter, more powerful missiles come on in Israel because those are missiles mostly from Iran. They're smart missiles, and they're, they target better. We're getting red alert sirens right now as we're speaking in Ashkelon and uh, the um, Gaza envelope. But when those start coming on, there'll be no place for the children of Israel to run. There'll be no place. The, the, the northern communities will not be able to evacuate to the south because in the, in the south it's dangerous. And the south that wants to run to the north will not be able to get protection and will only be able to lift our eyes to heaven and say, God, you are the God. You are the one that controls everything. We are looking to you now to save us. There is no more government that's going to save us, IDF that's going to save us, anybody, any friends in the international community that's going to save us. Only you can save us. And when we do this tshuva, when we do this repentance and we acknowledge that God is in charge, that God controls everything and that we trust in him and we don't trust in any other institutions or men or governments or even our beloved Sahal. That is when I believe we're going to see things switch around immediately. And that's when we're going to see uh, as the prophets say, we're going to win in the end. But the question is how much are we going to have to suffer? Unfortunately, until we get there. Matt, you're muted. Matt, are you? Are you? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I didn't. I forgot. Do you I want to comment? Do you want to agree? Disagree? <sighs> no, I agree. It's just like you know what? This whole thing is biblical, and there's just no denying it. First of all, um. The only thing that's going to save us is God. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm a cynic. I don't trust, I didn't trust the government before this. And, and I don't want to muddy the waters, but COVID taught me that lesson <laughs> that no one's in charge except for the almighty. So, uh, I'll just put my faith in him and, and my fellow Israelis, you know, it, it's what is going on on the streets. It's almost like we don't need the government, you know, almost. Um, but here's a, here's slightly off topic. Um, the, the, as a result of all of the problems down South, and we hope that they don't get created and replicated up North is, uh, the communities have been devastated and what was left of those communities alive have been evacuated out. 
well, that's all farm country. What are going to happen to those farms? What are going to happen to the farm animals? How is that going to affect our supply chain and our food? Um, what's going to happen to all those dairy farms, those cows that have to be milked every day? The crops that are going to go in the field, either un unsown or unharvested. You know, uh, one of the things that terrorists also did after they went and they slaughtered all the civilians in these kibbutzim, they went, I think it was in Kibbutz Be'eri, which is along uh, near, the, near Gaza. They went into the cow barn, the refets, and they, I understand they put a bullet in the head of 400 cows there. Well, I, like I said, it was this merciful. Went, yeah, I have you know the I you know the reporter I told you that is in my class is down on Be'eri right now, and that kibbutz had some. I mean, I you know how many of those kibbutzes down there I've been on? It is surreal to see the devastation. Right. I tell you what, though, I look forward to some beautiful, beautiful Beach new Israeli beach Gaza? resorts on Gaza. <laughs> And, you know, when Jews go back in there, God willing, we should go back in there and resettle it and, and bring peace and, and business and prosperity and, and wholesomeness and families and children for, every, for the good of everybody, even Arabs. It, it, so listen it, to this. I just got word. I just got word. Excuse me for interrupting. Yeah. Uh, GoFundMe, Sam Kogan's charity. I just got I just got notified by his mother. GoFundMe is blocking their funds and not answering any inquiries. They've released a portion of the money, but they're holding the rest hostage. Huh. So if anybody knows anybody that if anybody knows someone at GoFundMe, I don't know how you man, what to do about that? Well, we then we know where they should go. <laughs> oh, the GoFundMe should go. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll back to man. Uh, all right, oh. so uh, it's uh, getting uh, almost two hours that we've been on the air live for you on this Thursday uh, afternoon in Israel. And we are still uh, under uh, missile fire and rocket fire from the south and also now from the north. And... Um, this is developing all the time. I want to remind people, this is so important for the, for the Jewish people, the Israeli people, to not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Okay, there's more uh, as we're speaking You should now. play that song. You should play that song. Lo lefaked kalal. Yeah, there, we're under another uh, red alert. Uh, sirens now from the north and the south from in Metula. The north? Metula. Where? Metula. And uh, in the in in the south, Kisufim. Uh, Kisufim yeah. and Eshkol. Looks like uh, Kisufim, Metula. Wow. Uh, so we're praying. I know the, the I know the soldiers on the northern border and... are getting very itchy because you know there's the flare-ups and there's quiet. There's flare-ups and there's quiet. I mean, last night with that with that false alarm or whatever it is, they all scrambled. It was like everyone thought they were going to war. I can't imagine the psychological toll. Yeah, well, it should be over soon for everybody's sake. And uh, Please everyone God. should be Please safe. God. Everyone should be of good courage. Do not be afraid. And if you catch yourself being afraid, okay for a moment, and then turn that fear into righteous 
anger that there could be such monsters in this world that want to do this to you and your children to to do the atrocities that we saw that they want to keep on perpetrating this we should be enraged and it should motivate us to protect ourselves even more and to go out and eliminate this threat and people i want to really leave with you again do not just plan how you're going to hold yourselves up in your home in case your community has an infiltration of terrorists. You've got to have a battle plan at the house. You've got to. Teach your children. My daughter today was teaching her seven-year-old son how to tie a tourniquet. It broke my heart. How to tie a tourniquet if somebody uh, was hurt and he's still alive and he can, he can help to stop the bleeding. A seven-year-old. He's a smart little kid. He's a smart little kid, but this, this is what we're going through. Have a plan of first aid. Have a plan of a place where you can meet up in case you get separated, escaping, because maybe someone's not at home when uh, your community might be infiltrated or your community might be hit by a rocket and people escaped and they don't know, you don't know where to find each other. Have a place where you meet and a telephone number of somebody away from your community that doesn't live with you, maybe even another country that's like a center that you can call to let the other know when they call where you are. And we don't always know our telephone numbers. We let our phones remember it. There's this, whatever the center that you're going to make is, have uh, yourself memorize that number. Have your children memorize that number. Make it into a song. 8432111. Just I, something that they'll remember. 8675309. Okay. But I'm really sorry. have a plan. I'm and sorry. then have a plan. Like, you know, if God forbid someone breaks in, what are you going to do? You just sit there like sheep or are you going to fight back? And if you're going to fight back, have things there. Take knives from your kitchen from your kitchen and have them there for you put them up high so your kids don't get them have whatever you need in order to fight back and don't go like a sheep and sanctify the name of god let them know they're fighting with brave jews that are not just sitting like sheep but we if they dare if they dare break into our homes and into our rooms where we're protecting our families they're going to see what's waiting for them and i'll tell you mothers and fathers can be very vicious when it comes to protecting their children just as animals are and we and they better not mess with us that's all i can say as, especially people in Judea and Samaria, because we are uh, all we are used to this so many times with infiltrations, and most of us carry guns, so they better watch out. That's what you I guys are say. definitely Make definitely tougher than the partisanic crew. Make them you. afraid of you. Don't you be afraid of them. You make them afraid of you. Amen. That's what I want to leave you with. Eat them Amen. for lunch before they eat you for dinner. Sanctify God's name. You be a brave, healthy Jew and not a cowering one. We are going to win this. It may be what a rocky King journey, but do. we're going to win. All right. Amen, sister. Amen. God bless all of you. And uh, I hope to be here at the microphone Sunday at 4 p.m. Israel time or Sunday 9 a.m. U.S. Eastern time for another live show. Hopefully with good news that we've won this war and everybody can live safely and peacefully now including Arabs, including Muslims that just want to have peace and, and have a good life. Uh, Absolutely. And I, and I hope I'll be here. But if not, you know, God knows what he's doing. So <laughs> I, I can just tell you, God willing, I'm going to fight. I'm not going down like a sheep. My father's no, a Holocaust survivor. None of us should. None of us should. You, you, you know, you die fighting. I'm going to survive. Actually, and hopefully you live and don't die, but you fight. 
You never, never just go. Because first of all, we know that... Hashem is with us. God is with yeah. us. Do not fear. Yeah. Even when the sword is at your neck, anything can happen. Once someone fires a bullet, that's where his free will ends. The God can make that bullet go anywhere afterwards. So keep your emunah. Keep your faith. Do what you're supposed to be doing. Be good to each other. Be kind to each other. Be giving and turn to God for help and talk to him and have a good relationship with him. He is our creator. He loves us and he wants the best for us. And he wants us to turn to him and not turn to foreign gods like Washington or the Israeli government or even our beloved Sahal, our IDF that we love so much, because they may try to do good, but ultimately everything is controlled by God. That's what we need to look up to and do tshuva, do a good redemption. We all know what we have to fix about ourselves, where, where we have to polish ourselves to be better people, and we need to work on that and ask God to help us do it and, and be good to each other. And Jews, go put on tefillin. Yeah, take on yeah. another mitzvah. Take another mitzvah on, and that's how we will repair the world. Yeah, and study Do something Torah. good for the world. Make yeah. it a better place. Amen. Pray, pray, pray. Thank you, Matt. God bless you. You be safe. Your son should be safe, and all of our children. And your sons. Thank you. Everybody. Thank you. Everybody. Thank you. Have a great Shabbat, and we will talk next week. Thank you, everybody. Be well. Shalom, shalom. Peace and more peace. <laughs>